over audio. Um, okay, well, whatever. Um, that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I can do a snidely whiplash voice. Um, honestly, I don't even remember what he sounds like. Whatever. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that is going to spoil everything about WandaVision in the first five minutes. Ha <laughs> ha. I am Max. And I am JR. We I'm won't... joking about that. We're not we're not going to do that. No. Um you you're 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 safe, dear listener. Yes. The lizard men. Um we're, we won't talk about the lizard men at all. Right. <laughs> um All right. So how's it going? Uh it goes. Today, yeah. Not a lot happened this week. The weather's sort of been bleh. And uh right. personally not a lot happened this week, which you know what? Fuck yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I had a couple of weeks yeah. there where too many things happened and uh Having a week, you had too much week. I had too much week for a couple of weeks there, and it and it wasn't like a national psyche destroying thing. These were like very personal, just Max weeks, and I didn't, right. I didn't like those. Um, so to, yeah, to, you know, to have a week that it's just like I got up and went to work, and uh, you know avoided work, um, and then like you do, and. Uh, then yesterday was sort of a shit day at work, but oh well. Yeah. No. Oh, Alright. I'm good. You? Uh, fine. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I love it when so. the how's it going section of the of the show is um how's it going? You know, I continue. I have not died. <laughs> I have not Hooray. died. The house Yeah. Still here. I'm good. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Well then, news? News. Uh, first up, you can vote for the uh, one of the members of the new team of X-Men. And uh, last I checked, so the, the team or the choices include Polaris, Marrow, Cannonball, Tempo... Boom Boom, uh, Banshee, Forge, Strong Guy, Forge, Sunsp- Strong Guy, Sunspot. Did you say Marrow? Is that everybody? And I think I said Marrow. Okay, Marrow Tempo Boom Boom. Yeah, that's everybody. Cannonball Armor. Yeah, whatever. Armor Armor was there as well. Yes. Um, as it stands right now, Polaris and Banshee are winning, which. Stop voting for Polaris. Um, And I say this for personal reasons, and that is because I'm enjoying X-Factor. I want Polaris there. um, Because they're doing stuff with her that is not just... She's Havoc's girlfriend. Um, And, yeah. Um, So stop voting for her. (laughs) Plus, you know, yeah, there are there are characters on there who are not getting uh, not getting the same amount of attention 
these days. Um, you know, like you were talking about Marrow hasn't, Marrow has barely been in anything since Weapon X. Yeah. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So just, just let somebody have some spotlight occasionally that isn't one of the main people. God damn it. Vote for Marrow or Strong Guy. Because Strong Guy should be an X-Factor anyway. and he's Is he? No. Okay. No. There. There you go. Don't vote for Cannonball. What kind of fucking yuts are you? You're not that guy. Don't do that. I voted for, I voted for Cannonball. What? Why? Because I like Cannonball. Boom Boom is sitting right there and you're voting for Cannonball? Cannonball has awesome powers. Boom Boom has awesome powers. Cannonball took a punch from Gladiator, goddammit. Anyway. (laughs) Whatever, don't fucking judge me. Um, Anyway. The, uh, plus, Cannonball is now married to a Shi'ar super guardian. Like, that could make some interesting shit. That's true. Anyway. So there's that. Go vote. Well, or don't. Whatever. <laughs> Go vote. Live your fucking life. <laughs> or don't. Uh, <laughs> Do whatever you want. <laughs> this is not a vote that matters. Like, <laughs> it's not like we're deciding the course of a nation here. We're just adding a member to the X-Men. Um, the other thing is, since we last recorded, there's now been more explanation as to what actually... Uh, is what Heroes Reborn is. Uh, first of all, I want to say I'm I'm on board simply because it's art by Ed McGinnis. I like Ed McGinnis's art, so yeah. Um, but the the premise of the the premise of it, the short version is what if it what if. Age of Apocalypse happened to the Avengers. <laughs> I mean, is what it comes down to. Um, because the world has changed so that the team you know was not formed. And there's only one guy who remembers the way the world is supposed to be. That's why I say it's Age of Apocalypse for the Avengers. Um, or House of M. As it, well, yeah, but... House of M was kind of House of M for the Avengers, though. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> the upshot of this is... Um, the... Blade wakes up one day and the Avengers never formed. Captain America was never found in the ice... Tony Stark never built armor, um, blah, blah, blah. The premier super team in this world is the Squadron Supreme. Ah. Um, so, yeah. And they're Uh, great. They're fine. (laughs) They're not dickheads at all. Whatever. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Um... So, that's the short version. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to bag on it for being derivative. And my explanation of it as Age of Apocalypse is not meant as a bad thing. It's just 
that's the reader's digest version um you know because there are let's be real there are no new stories <laughs> like it's just cons you know every story is just a rehash of something else to some degree um there's only so many ways you can put plot points together uh whether it's movies television or whatever um but so i have a you know, terribly like comic book nerd question that i'm not seeing mm-hmm. answered in the uh is this so like is this age of apocalypse in that it's not 616 I would, generally speaking, I would assume I have not seen an answer on that. Yeah. My general thing is assume that any any change to the timeline results in a different Earth, technically speaking, regardless of whether it's treated that way at the time or not. Okay. But that's me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm on board for alternate realities. I always am. Like, that's my jam. So, all right, let's fucking do it. Uh, I don't know. No, I mean, it's fine by me. Hell yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And it's written by Jason Aaron. Um, and Jason Aaron has done a lot of really good shit. So, I don't know. We'll find out. Hell yeah. All right. Comics. Comics. Oh, wow. All right. Here I am looking at <laughs> here I am looking at key art and we're already on to comics. All right. Let's do it. Well, you I don't, you know, if there's anything else you want to talk about as no. far as Heroes Reborn, I'm fine with it. I forget I... the name of this fucking demon that ends up being in Defenders. And that's it. That's all I got. Which demon? There is he, the or, he looks like Etrigan, but it's not Etrigan. Oh, uh, Gargoyle? Is that it? Okay. Is that who you're talking about? Must be. Um, I don't know what image you're looking at. It's the Heroes uh, Reborn key. But let's do Thor and a... Okay. It's a fantastic story. Okay. So, Thor number 269 has a cover by Walt Simonson and Joe Sinnott, written by Len Wein, penciled by Walt Simonson, inked by Tony DeZunica, colored by Glynis Wein, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Len Wein. Uh, this issue is basically, we find out that the person who was broken out of jail was Stiltman, and he is given a new version of his costume that is made out of adamantium. Doesn't matter, you're still fucking Stiltman. Uh, but he is tasked by a couple of spots of light and a hairy guy to, uh, to steal a thing. And so he goes to do the thing he was tasked to do. I will say my first, because it's Thor, when I saw shadowy hairy man, my first thought was Ulick. Um, cause I immediately went to Blastar. Really? Yeah. I, you know, the I I am willing to allow for anything when sure. it comes to these comics because it could be literally anyone. Right. But I'm just saying that was my first thought and 
Ulik and Blastar have similar silhouettes. Uh, Ulik is actually um, a is a more logical guess. I'm just an idiot, and was like well, I mean, Harry you got it. You got it right. It doesn't matter. So, <laughs> but like, I immediately uh, was like Blastar just because. Well, also, no, no, that doesn't. Ulik and Blastar also have the same similar sort of personalities, which is. Essentially, I deserve to be king. Fuck you. Um, well, yeah, sure. Um, but right. the uh, the <clears throat> upshot of this is Stiltman tries to Stiltman steals the thing from a helicopter. Uh, he is stopped by Thor. They they kind of battle a little bit, but then somebody takes over Stiltman's armor. And Stiltman's like, you gotta stop me! And Thor's like, well, I was trying to already, dipshit. Um, but, so he he uses some lightning to uh, short out his armor. Uh, before he's really able to do anything, he gets hit from behind by Blastar. Um, and the issue ends with his being separated from his hammer and oh shit we've decided uh, that's a thing in, again yeah in addition uh the warriors three have managed to do the job odin sent them to do and captured uh loki's toadies from his attempted overthrow of asgard they come back and odin's like great job uh you have earned a boon and uh Volstag is just like tons of food and Odin's like well yeah obviously this is Asgard shit <laughs> yeah there's gonna be a feast cause that's what we do but also but above and and beyond that and Fandral's like ooh a boon can we go help Thor and he's like not that boon <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah any boon but, but that it turns boon. out he has another he has another job for them yeah so yeah <laughs> can we go hang um, out with Thor not that boon <laughs> no <laughs> any other boon you can have anything uh, you want but not that Thor number 270 has a cover by Walt Simons and Tony DeZuniga and Irving Watanabe uh, Thor is concerned about what's going to happen because his time is running out so he runs into an alley just as he turns into Don Blake Blastar comes in and he's like, where the fuck is Thor? And Don Blake is like, I think I saw him run that way. Who <laughs> went that away? Um, yeah. Uh, Don goes back after his cane, uh, which has been taken by some street toughs. Um, and they give him shit, but he's able to get it back. Um, and yeah. So... And it makes Thor it seem at the and... very end that the uh, he ends the gang. Like, <laughs> there will be no more gang after this. <laughs> like, the wording is strange. It, the wording is such that, like... So he grabs the, st- the walking stick from this guy, and uh, he won't give it back. And somehow, you know, he, turn- he changes into Thor while holding the stick. And... Uh, the guy that all three of them or everybody runs because holy shit this dude just turned into thor and uh 
in the way the the box text is worded such that and the gang never came back that day since then and i'm like well holy <laughs> shit that's all you're yeah. gonna do to end gang violence hell yeah <laughs> <coughs> I mean, if by end gang violence you mean obliterate gangs into their component atoms, then sure. Yeah. I like to think they were just transported to the Rainbow Bridge. Um, Sure. (laughs) They're just stuck in Asgard, (laughs) slowly losing their minds. Yeah, their minds are immediately immolated. Uh, (laughs) But so... Thor goes to talk to Tony um, and Tony's like, well, uh, let me feed all this into the computer. I have some, I have some theories and I'll feed my guesses into the theater or into the computer, which that's how you get bias in your algorithm, Tony. But uh, meanwhile, Blastar uh, meets up with the guy, the thing controlling him, well, not even controlling him, the guy he's, the thing he's working for, keep saying guy, it's not a guy, it's a thing. Um, and it turns out that it is Faust, the automated factory from Marvel Team Up, um, when, uh, was it Hulk and Spider-Man? Hulk and Johnny. Wait, Hulk and Human Torch. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, it was one of the rare uh, Human Torch Marvel team-ups. And uh, it turns out that the factory was largely destroyed, uh, it seemed. However, the programs that controlled the factory are now uh, this new AI. So, uh, Thor, Tony narrows it down and he's just like, well, it's this place. And so Thor goes to investigate, Blastar comes out to meet him, and then Faust is just like, peace, bitches, and blasts off into outer space. Um, and, uh, in the process, Blastar is ostensibly given what he wanted uh, in working for Faust, which is to be returned to the negative zone in glory. Uh, however, it turns out that it, in traveling back to the negative zone, he now has a positive charge to his atoms, uh, which causes him to be sucked toward the center of the negative zone uh, where everything is destroyed. Um, so Thor is just like, hmm, this whole thing is kind of fucked up. I wonder what it's all leading to. Hmm. I, I there is a, well, there's a couple of moments where the first one is, uh, after, before he heads off to Faust, uh, Tony's like, uh, do you want, he doesn't say, do you want... No, he initially he says, do you want Iron Man to tag along? And Thor's like, no, no, that's okay, thanks. And he's like, okay. And then Tony says, okay, uh, but I'll be here if you need me. And right. 
I like that it's it's like a single sentence drop, but it reminds you that they know it, like they know right. e- each yeah. other's thing again. Like, and they're the only Avengers right. that know each other's shit. Yeah. Um, well, um, ostensibly, and uh, Moon I, I, Dragon does. Yeah, but, but I, I like. Whatever. But Manu Dragon knows fucking everything, and I guess Starhawk knows now because he is the one who knows. Doesn't matter. Uh, and then I like at the very end where he's, you know, Blastar's about to throw himself through this portal. And Thor's like, whoa, 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 dude, no. Um, do you even know what that does? And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> Peace. And yeah. he just flies through this portal. And he's like, I'll be king. This hurts like hell, but I'll be king. I don't give a shit. And then he gets in there and he's like. Fuck you! <laughs> and yeah. gets sucked into the not the not black hole, but the center of the negative zone where he is disintegrated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Thor number two seventy one has a cover by Walt Simonson and Joe Sinnott, and is penciled by Walt Simonson and Tony DeZuniga. So Faust is in orbit now. And has issued an ultimatum to the world uh, that they disable all of their nuclear weapons. Um, we're not really we're not really given a reason why. It's assumed that Faust is going to try and take over, but for all we know, Faust is trying to bring about uh, world peace by eliminating nuclear weapons. And then step two is I don't know, make more puppies, I, something. Um, but it can be assumed malevolent. Um, so, well, we the, went off. You know, we went off half-cocked about the Korvac thing, and apparently, right. no, oh yeah, nobody knows about the Korvac thing. All right, moving on. Right. Sorry, just Moon Dragon, as always. <laughs> um, so, uh, the nations of the world launch offensives against Faust, but none of it. Only one missile gets through, and that doesn't even scratch the uh, the surface of it because it's made out of adamantium. This is like we're we're reaching the, we're starting to see a a trend that really becomes a problem in Marvel, which is that fucking everybody has adamantium. And it's one of, you know, adamantium is like vibranium in that it only works if there's only so much. Yeah. Um, because if everybody has it, then who gives a shit? But I mean, like Bullseye has an adamantium skeleton, even though ostensibly he has no healing factor, but fuck it, you know? Um, so... The Avengers get together with S.H.I.E.L.D. and they work out a plan, which is that S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to deliver Iron Man and Thor because Thor has the power to take down Faust, probably. Iron Man has the know-how to be able to handle an AI enemy. Um, The rest of the Avengers are to go and prepare Project 13, which is apparently a big uh uh-oh uh, fail safe that 
everybody's just like, are we sure we want to do that? Because that could be just as bad. And they're like, we need to. Um, so Iron Man Shield basically launches another offensive against uh, Faust, but it is a cover to allow Tony and Thor to teleport aboard. Um, at which point they have uh, a knockdown dragout with the ship defenses. Uh, this leads to Tony's near death because his suit is drained of power. Uh, Thor is temporarily separated from him and cannot get through to him. But so he transforms into Donald Blake and then crawls through the ductwork uh, around <coughs> all of the stuff in his way gets to gets to Tony and lights him up like a Christmas tree, uh, which restores his uh, chest plate and keeps him from going to the great tech conference above. Um, and so uh, they start trying to um, defeat Faust. Faust, for its part, does its AI gloating and says that there's nothing that they can do because it has absorbed the contents of what Stiltman uh, stole, which has converted it all to adamantium, and there's no way they can defeat it. Uh, it then, for their hubris... Uh, warms up a laser and fires upon um, fires upon New York. But before it can really get there, it just dissipates harmlessly uh, in the atmosphere. Um, and Faust begins to self-destruct. Um, Thor and Iron Man escape. And they're just like, hooray, we defeated this thing. Probably should call the Avengers and let them know that we don't need the big uh-oh failsafe. And uh, Iron Man reveals that the reason Faust was destroyed was because uh, when Thor struck Stiltman with lightning to shut down his armor, the the properties of the thing uh, that Stiltman stole were altered, which led to Faust's hull not being true adamantium. Because why not? Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I'll say this was not a bad arc. Uh, it wasn't, I would not rate it up there with the best of Thor that we've read thus far, but it was good enough. It was, you know, I mean, it, it was a fun adventure story and, you know, yeah, uh, it wasn't the, the twist on the adamantium thing was interesting enough that it didn't just make it a standard um bare knuckle bare knuckle fight story 
It wasn't a super great twist, but it was like enough, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it, <clears throat> this is one of those where I don't have a lot to say because it was just, it was fine. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing excellent, but, um, you know, not, it, it didn't hurt to read either. So, unfortunately, that means I'm just like, you know, it's a pretty stri- good, this is comics, you know, like, this, yeah. is, this is what you get. Um Ideally, this is what you get. Like, uh, sometimes it's less than this and and you get very mad. But like, or it's really better yeah. than this and you get really happy. But ideally, yeah. this is about what you get. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if this is a baseline, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side of that for me... <laughs> Which I guess I'm giving the game away. Uh, Doctor Strange number 30. Which has a cover by Frank Brunner. Written by Roger Stern. Penciled by by Tom Sutton. Who also did the inks. Colored by Phil Rachelson. Lettered by Irving Watanabe. And edited by Jim Shooter. Um, Doctor Strange is brought in. uh, By Lieutenant Blumkin. Uh, who previously appeared in Thor. Did we make jokes about his name at that point? Because... I'm sure. I don't know. If we didn't, then it feels wrong to do so now. It feels hack. Uh, But seriously. Um, But uh, there was a... There was a sewer worker who was killed by a tentacly thing in the sewers. His co-worker then came back up and blew himself up uh, and nearly a couple of other people because he um, he because the thing that attacked them said that if they died they could become immortal which never trust random tentacle voices uh, just as a just as a public service announcement if you are attacked by something covered in tentacles, um, with no mouth, with no mouth, that's... and you hear in it in your head its voice whispering promises of power, do not trust it without verifying. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe there's a tentacle monster in a sewer somewhere that just magnanimously wants to hand out immortality. I'm not going to rule it out, but do yeah. not assume it's telling the truth <laughs> based on just its promises, because I have been burned by too many tentacle monsters in my time. Remember, to just... when, it, when it comes to tentacle monsters, full Rumsfeld. Trust, but verify. Trust, but verify. Don't allow <laughs> yourself to be led down the garden path in that sewer. Do your homework. Uh, so it could just, just like, be a Shogoth. Like you don't know. <laughs> you you don't know what you're getting into. Do you know tentacle monsters all that well? Can you tell them? Can you tell one from another to be able to say, "Oh no 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 no, 
This, this species of, of tentacle monster can you is read, on the up and up. Can you read the tentacle monster that only speaks into your mind? Can you read their facial expressions? You don't know. Micro expressions aren't a thing that you can register of. You have better chance of understanding the emotional wherewithal of a bonobo than you do bonobos. Bonobo. Bonobo. Bonobos is plural. Okay. Also pants, I think. Um, and this we're is all off over the, rails. the place right yeah. now. <laughs> we're moving on. The tentacle monster, uh, blah, blah, blah. While he's talking to Blumkin, um, or Blumkin's de- describing the thing, uh, see, Blumkin's taking some aspirin. He gets some water out of the faucet that's in his office. What is. What? Um. And the every this... every police officer in New York has an office with a built-in uh, kitchenette and bathroom, which is why they need to be defunded. Um, um, that's why. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that that's the specific reason. Um, uh, but this tentacle eyeball sort of thing comes out of the faucet. And at that moment is when Clea arrives and she's like, Stephen, um, I'm only going to put this one way. Da fuck. Like, <laughs> you ch- And he's like, uh, Blumpkin, I gotta go. I pretty much get the gist. It's something supernatural in the sewers. I, I, I gotcha. I'll look into it. Um, but I gotta go deal with that. Yeah. And he goes outside and Clea's like, Okay. <laughs> you big dumb idiot. I'm going to put this down for you one more time. And it's not going to be the last time. And I'm so mad at myself. You big dumb idiot. You got to let me in on what you're doing. I'm supposed to be equal partner disciple thing. And you're treating me like a delicate flower and won't let me in on the dangerous shit. And I get that. But like, you got to quit it. And he's like, yeah, you're. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay. So you want to go fight a Shogoth? And he's, she's like, yes! Absolutely yes! That is what yeah. I'm here for. And he's like, okay. I'm sorry. And then they get attacked by the tentacle monster. Which is yeah, super convenient. I do actually like the part where she calls him out. And he doesn't... He's not apologizing just to get past the conversation. It does actually feel like he's truly like for now it is it is very much for now but like it's a lesson that he has to keep learning and i wish he would just fucking learn it so that their relationship wouldn't be so idiotic because right now every time we have to do this i'm just like clea go leave him just because clearly you can go get your training. I understand that you have to get your training from him, basically, and that's why you're stay- sticking around, but you don't need the rest of this shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, this, this, the conversation that Stephen and Clea have is kind of why a lot of this doesn't work for me, uh, but I will, I will sum that up at the once we're done with these issues okay um 
but it is i do want it noted that this is this is something that is really driving me crazy right now um so uh they fight the creature um it turns out that uh the creature is connected to the dweller in darkness uh who is going to be the next big bad that we're dealing with for the time being um the Stephen is initially uh, taken down, and Clea's like, "Oh shit!" Um, but then Stephen appears in his astral form, and he's like, "It's fine. Stop freaking out because that's what's fueling this thing." And so they do sort of a mind meld, uh, and then are able to use their combined power and serenity to overcome the creature, at which point it's two, these two shadow creatures that uh, had been controlled by it attack them, uh, and they are, they are able to overcome them pretty handily, uh, and they revert back to the two sewer workers who were presumed dead. Um... The the thing is, they use a they use a spell that they're just like you won't remember this. But then, like the the problem with this is, and this is this is a problem that I have with a lot of like these like you won't remember any of this. Like Men in Black, Men in Black as an example. Um, by the time that J and K get to the lady in the first men in black, whose husband Edgar was taken over by the cockroach creature. Yes. She's already gone to the tabloids and said, an alien stole my husband's skin. And like, so they erase her memory of that and give her a new memory. Uh, But her neighbors and the press are going to be like, what about when that husband stole your husband's skin? What was that about? And she's just going to be like, what are you talking about? He left me. And they're going to be like, that's not what you said. And she's like, no, that's always been the case. What the fuck are you talking about? In this situation, people are going to be like, you were gone for a while. Where were you? And they're just going to be like, hanging out in the sewer, I guess. Uh, I don't, I don't know. And then like, they're going to be like, well, what about you, man? You got blown up. And there and he's just going to be like, I don't remember that. And that's just going to be it. They'll have lost time with no explanation for why. And it's just going to be like a thing that's going to gnaw at them for the rest of their lives. Anyway, um... Yeah, so the Dweller, having been revived because of all of this, is watching them and just being like, hmm, this guy's going to be a fucking problem. So, that leads us to Doctor Strange number 31, which has a cover by Alan Weiss and Irving Watanabe, written by Don McGregor, penciled by Ricardo Villamonte and Tom Sutton, colored by Marie Severin, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Diana Albers, edited by Roger Stern. Um, so Dr. Strange, 
uh, uses his astral form to travel to Atlantis um, and forces his way into Namor's uh, throne room. The guards are just like, we can't stop him, sir. What do we do? And Namor's like, it's Stephen Strange. Let him pass. Have you forgotten everything he's done for us? And uh, so Strange comes in and he's like, look, dude's coming after me. He's using an Atlantean artifact to do so because if he kills me with the sword, he gains immortality. Uh, help? And Namor is just like, ooh, I, I don't know. Like, I've got stuff to do here in Atlantis. I have a, I have a budget meeting. Um, and then I need to go and oversee <coughs> the opening of our new aquatic uh, kindergarten center. And then, uh, I don't know, I can pencil you in for maybe a week from Thursday. And Strange is like, no, I'm going to be dead by then. (laughs) He's already here. He's like hacking through the magical protections that I have cast over the city of New York. He set up Um, three layers, one over the entire world, one over, or no, wait, one over the country, one over the city, and one over the sanctum. And he's already through the country, and the city is being attacked. And he's like, I gotta go. So, um... You Time's know, a factor, dude. Come on. <laughs> get, get, get your shit together, I guess. Actually, he's very yeah. polite. He's like, I I guess I understand. You do have your whole, like, uh, every time you leave your people, you something terrible happens to them. I get that. Uh, but I gotta go. Bye. So he peaces. I guess this is goodbye. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, while this is going on, Alaric, who is the dude with the sword... Uh, is now carving his way through the barriers protecting the Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, he gets a, he gets inside and he finds Clea standing over uh, Stephen's body. Um, he, he sort of swats Clea aside, but he doesn't kill her because he's planning on once he's immortal and has killed Stephen... He's going to take her for his own, which gross, dude. Um, gross, dude is gross. Yeah, yeah. But now uh, we know. But now I know for sure that this guy sucks. It's like I had an egg. You know, he was I trying guess... to kill Stephen. Was pretty sure that made him a bad guy. But the uh, oh, now okay, yeah, you really do suck. All right. Sorry. I guess if you're willing to kill someone in order to gain immortality, then consent is not an issue you're really all that concerned with. But still, ew. Uh, So, I don't know. I like a more enlightened breed of villain who's just like, whoa, I will kill. I will pillage. But that's the one thing I am not. I am a gentleman, goddammit. And that's that's a that's a class act right sure. there. Sure. Yeah. I mean it's like law the laws the laws of man aren't that big a concern. But still, like there are just some things you don't do. Autonomy and, is uh, still a thing, man. Yeah, I mean she's gotta be allowed agency. If she chooses to be your woman <laughs> after you once murder. you've killed her boyfriend, <laughs> then I mean that's that's whatever like it 
it shows a distinct lack of character on her part when she's just like, well, you killed the dude I was with, but okay, you know, but still anyway, moving on. Um, so the Clea standing in the way has given Steven at least enough time to return. Um, so he and Alaric start battling. Um, however, uh, as they are fighting, Namor arrives and, uh, proceeds to get involved. Um, Alaric, um, Alaric slashes Namor. Pretty much way more powerful than Namor and manages to cut him with the blade. And at that point, uh, everybody is in on it but Alaric. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Namor's like, you fool, drop the fucking sword. You're done. Please give it back to me. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm taking this and I'm going to kill him. And as soon as I clean the blood, your blood off it, I'm going to attack Steven with it. And... Namor's like, no, you don't understand. You've lost already. And Alaric's like, why are you talking like that? And then the sword devours him, essentially. Well, it start, he, he starts weakening, and then Clea is able to trap him. Yeah. Um, so um, at that point, you know, everybody just breathes a big... Sigh of relief. Which brings us to Doctor Strange number 32, which has a cover by Keith Pollard and Rudy Nebris, written by Roger Stern, penciled by Alan Kupperberg, inked by Rudy Nebris, colored by Francois Mouly, lettered by Jim Novak, and edited by Bob Hall. Um, there it, we get the wrap up wherein Namor gets patched up and they start talking about what's going to happen to the sword now that it is uh, dealt with. Um, Namor says, you should take it, Stephen. Um, it poses a direct threat to you. And Stephen's like, no, you should take it um, because the uh, Gesundheit uh because the um it is an atlantean artifact tied to your specific bloodline so namor is like tell you what we'll split the difference so he pulls out the gem uh the the eye of zartra uh and hands it to steven so he can protect it um and then takes the sword so the sword is still pretty strong because it's a magical artifact but uh it is less dangerous to steven now that the eye of zartra is out of it um so they part ways namor is just namor calls steven his friend which namor doesn't really do so uh especially his surface dwellers yeah, like the fact the fact that he refers to him in any way as a friend is a big deal and Stephen makes mention of that fact um and then he and Clea go inside to catch some sleep and I assume fuck. Um 
while this is going on, the Dweller in Darkness watches, and he... The thing is, so the Dweller in Darkness this entire time has been sitting on this um, obelisk... Uh, Slab. Yeah, like a... I'm trying to think like the two that like the like the um, slabs in 2001 A Space Odyssey. He's been like sitting on one just floating in space, but then he melts into it, at which point he um, steps out of another slab elsewhere at a place called the Halls of the Hall of Fears. Um, He heads inside, at which point he finds despair, uh, who has been defeated by Man-Thing and Spider-Man. And Despair's just like, I'm sorry, I was just trying to absorb some of the power here. And the Dweller is just like, do what you gotta do, but get the fuck out of my face when you're done. Um, So the Dweller then travels to the, um, the realm of Nightmare. And he's like, hey... Let's team up to defeat Doctor Strange. And Nightmare's like, fuck you. Strange is mine. I'm going to destroy him. And the Dweller's just like, well, I guess if you're going to be that way. Uh, but then he notices something. And he takes he takes this, uh, this representation of a woman. And uh, t- grabs hold of it. And he's just like, fine. I'll do my own thing. Uh, By doing this, he grants this woman from San Francisco, Barbara Robb, the ability to transform any, the world around her based on her dreams. Um, But it takes a lot out of her to be able to do that. And so in order, the dweller tells her, hey, if you want to make use of this power, you need a source of energy that's not going to run out. There's a book called The Book of the Vashanti, which is in the possession of a guy named Dr. Strange in New York. Go and get it, and you can have everything your little heart desires. So, she's like, cool, yeah, let's do it, and starts heading to New York. Um, the In the Sanctum, uh Doctor Strange starts uh preparing some rituals that will beef up the um the protections uh around the Sanctum Sanctorum because they've uh they've been it's been Grand Central Station in this place lately. So um he starts work on that. Clea then wakes up and comes to join him. And so they start uh, a ritual uh, that will um, improve those protections. Uh, And in doing so, weird shit starts happening. Uh, His quill turns into a bird and starts attacking them. Uh, At which point... uh, there is, um, there are these two images of Doctor Strange in these mirrors that are in some way tied to the spell that they were doing, but they come out and begin to attack Doctor Strange and Clea. Uh, so, yeah. 
All right, so that brings us to Doctor Strange number 33, which has a cover by Frank Brunner, written by Roger Stern and Ralph Macchio, penciled by Tom Sutton, inked by Rudy Nebris, colored by Jim Shooter, lettered by Irving Watanabe, and edited by Mar Mary Jo Duffy. Um, so, Strange and Clea go up against these... Uh, nightmare mirror versions of Strange. Um, Clea does not do well, um, but Strange is able to use a gem that he has uh, in order to banish the uh, doppelganger attacking him. Um, he then deals with the doppelganger attacking her um, and goes goes to Clea's side, at which point she dissipates into smoke. Uh, and he's just like, what the fuck? At which point there's a scream from the other room, so he rushes in there and finds her having woken up from a nightmare. So he's just like, aha, um, uh, so he's like, well, a nightmare was involved. So who do we call? He goes and, uh, confronts nightmare. Who's just like, yeah, I had nothing to do with that. And strange is like, then who did? And nightmare is like, I'm not going to tell you cause fuck you. Um, but he does like. <laughs> He does mention in passing that his enemy dwells in darkness. And it's just like, then just fucking tell it. Like, you've given him everything other than it's dwells instead of dweller. Like, whatever. So Dreamweaver arrives, knocks on the door of the sanctum, and is allowed in by Wong. Um... She comes upstairs and presents herself to Dr. Strange as somebody in need of help. And he's like, okay, so come in and explain the situation to me. So she proceeds to tell a long rambling story. Uh, and uh, she's at it for like two hours, during which time Strange and Clea fall asleep listening to her bullshit. And she's like, cool. Now I can go and get the book. She goes and gets the book. However, she is then sucked in and uh, finds herself falling into the nightmare realm of the book of the Vashanti. Uh, and Dr. Strange appears and he's just like, yeah, didn't see that one coming, did you? And she's like, what did you do? And he's like, I'm not an idiot. Uh, and so he he kind of allows her to suffer through the madness around her, uh, at which point he brings her out, strips her of her powers and erases her memory and dumps her back in San Francisco. He says that she will remember the lessons she's learned, even though she won't remember the specific events. Um, and, uh, yeah. So that kind of, that's how you do that. Yeah. You keep the lesson, 
even if you don't want people to remember the specifics. Um, so at the end of that, we see the dweller in darkness and he, he treats it as well. That was the plan all along, which all right. <laughs> I, it's always really hard to tell if a villain in a book actually meant for something to happen or if they're just like, yes, that was the plan all along. Of course that was sure. the plan. I meant for <laughs> my pawn to fall. It's like, all right, fine. Maybe you did. Whatever you say. <laughs> I mean, when it's somebody that I don't know that well, like uh, the Dweller in Darkness, I'm just like, sure, dude, fine. But like sometimes it's uh, when it's Doom, I'm just like, no, you didn't. No, no. Yeah. You're lying yeah. now because you're Doom. But I kind of love you for it because you're Doom. <laughs> so you get a pass. But like if it's Kingpin, I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Or even uh, lower about... level. Like if it's Silvermane, I'm like, fuck you. You did not. This is not part of yeah. your plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the... The thing about it is, um, the Dweller in Darkness is, how do I put this? The Dweller in Darkness is older than the universe. Because, like Galactus, he came from the universe in existence before uh, this, the Marvel 616. And so, he is impossibly old, and he feeds on fear. And I think... I think that he is in some way connected to Cthulhu. Yeah, he's very um, got the tentacle. He's face. got the squiddy face and everything, but like I think it's I think it's canon that he is in some way connected to Cthulhu. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it's it's possible he did actually mean for that to happen simply by virtue of the fact that he's been doing this so long. So, uh, maybe. Um, oh, overall, so here's my problem. Uh, I think a lot of this could been could have been phenomenal. Uh, except that this book cannot have cannot seem to keep a consistent creative team. I mean, like, each individual issue, I was reading a whole new creative team every goddamn issue. Yeah. And so, like, you know, the stuff with Clea and Strange at the beginning of that first issue, number 30, like, sure, maybe that's a resolution to what's been happening with them, but also, like, I can't buy that because next month a new creative team may come on board and have them doing the same shit. And so it's hard, you know, it's like even the things I like, like Namor and Steven, has to come with a big asterisk because it's just kind of like, but pick somebody to work on the goddamn book you know 
it's got a different writer, a different penciler, a different editor every single month. And so it's hard to, it's hard for there to feel like there's any consistency whatsoever when literally everyone overseeing this book is different from issue to issue. So you can't really trust what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Even less than you normally can with Dr. Strange because like in universe, something may come along that completely undoes all of this, but also like nobody there does. I don't know that there's a plan. Uh huh. So yeah, you know, it's, that's, that's a risk with monthly comics as it is. Sure. Um, (laughs) simply by virtue of the fact that, you know, there is no, when you have a creator who creates something, works on it, and then it ends, okay, there is ostensibly a plan, um, or at least a singular creative idea behind the whole thing. You know, superhero comics for Marvel and DC and stuff like that, uh do not have that in general but this is just elevating that to its extreme um so consistency eh. is hard in general um yeah this uh this is a pretty prime example of like what happens when that consistency is nowhere near met it's just kind of like, right. well, what are we doing, guys? That's fun. It's... Yeah. Yeah. So, that's my feeling on it. Like I said, I mean, I'm not saying these issues were necessarily bad, but it, it is. It's, it's disruptive. Unfortunately for me, I think, for the most part, this is, again a storyline that as an overall call, I'm like, okay, it's fine. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't hate it, but I mean, the opening issue with the, uh, sewer monster was probably the strongest, maybe the Namor issue, but Dreamweaver was hella weak. Oh Uh, yeah. And why we got an entire issue of setup for Dreamweaver was, like, totally unnecessary. Um, yeah. So, that was yeah. Halloween. And then even the Dreamweaver fight was essentially, yeah, I tricked you. And, like, yeah. that's, that's not great. But it's not terrible because it's the kind of thing he would do. But I don't, I don't, because the creative team changed completely. I don't know that like the people who worked on the issue before didn't have a larger plan for Dreamweaver that was going to have more of a payoff. Um, 
but that just got curtailed because a, a whole new group of people came in and said, no, this is dumb and shit canned it. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Fantastic Four annual number 13 uh, has a cover by <coughs> Keith Pollard, Steve Leoloa, and Mori Kuramoto. Yeah. Uh, and is written by Bill Mantlow, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by Francois Mouly, uh, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Irving Watanabe, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Uh, the Fantastic Four are back together, but they are <laughs> they don't really have anywhere to live. Um, while that's been going on, there are all of these mysterious disappearances of... Uh, people and property from across New York. The Fantastic Four are asked to investigate, but reads like, I don't really have the ability to do that because all my shit's in storage. Uh, but then it winds up kind of falling into their laps anyway because... Uh, because... Um, fuck. Alicia is kidnapped. Uh, so the Fantastic Four go after her. And it turns out that it's the Mole Man. But it's okay. Mole Man's just trying to build a place for the blind, ugly, and otherwise unaccepted uh, to be able to live their best lives. And so the Fantastic Four are like, okay, uh, those who want to stay can. You can make copies of the statues you've stolen like you planned to. Uh, and then we will take those that want to leave and the stuff you stole back up above ground. And they're like, cool. All right. Bye. So, yeah. Uh, I like that this doesn't become a supervillain dust up. Um, I like that it is kind of like, hey, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Uh, he kind of is by abducting people rather than being like, hey, do you want a place where you can be accepted? Instead, he's just like, you will have a place that you will be accepted. Um, I mean, they're ultimately given that agency and some people are like, yeah, maybe I don't want to live underground. So bye. Um, yeah. And but everybody else who stays is like, yeah, no, this sounds great. Uh, it also sounds like free food, so I'm fucking in. Uh, I like that it isn't... They're only given the option. It's still... It still kind of feels like if the FF hadn't shown up, then maybe the option to leave wouldn't have been so readily given. Yeah, yeah. So... In that way, it's good that they... Excuse me. They, in that way, it's good that they started a, a ruckus. But, uh... I wonder what... Does anything come of this? I don't know. Oh, well. <laughs> I, uh... I don't think so. Not for any length of time. Okay. Because, you know... Being alone and unloved is kind of the mole man's thing. Uh, and so I can't see this lasting 
very long. Oh at no! All. all of these um, people are going to fall into an underground um, lava pit or something, or something. Yeah, like they're <laughs> yeah. all boned, but uh, so that he can continue to be tragically and tragic and angry. Um, yeah, but. Community yeah. destroyed by, uh, I don't know, giant burrowing worm? Probably. How's I mean, that, it'll be something. Yeah. 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 Anything that, if he can blame it on the surface, that'll be better. Right. It'll probably, it'll probably be like they're drilling a new cistern or something. Uh-huh. And, uh... He'll just be like, no, my people. And then they'll all be crushed by rubble. Yeah. And he'll be like, curse you, surface world. Why won't you let me be happy? Yeah. Yeah. And then he'll create a giant machine with like a huge drill on the front. Drive that up the Empire State Building's ass. I don't know. Yeah. It's the mole man. It'll be something. So. Anything else about that one? Really? God damn it. No. It just, because that's pretty much it, like, uh, we get a, I mean, well, it's like we get a demonstration twice that Alicia really is really good at this sculpture thing, but I didn't need proof of that. I, that one was, you were getting that one for free story. Yeah. Uh, so no. (laughs) Okay. So, speaking of, no, I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 181 has a cover by Gil Kane and Frank Giacoya and is written by Bill Mantlo, Archie Goodwin, and Len Wein. Penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Glynis Wein, lettered by Annette Kowiecki, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Spider-Man visits the grave of Uncle Ben. Which kickstarts a uh, magical mystery tour of basically everything to this point. We see his origin. We see his becoming a hero instead of just a selfish wrestler and the death of Uncle Ben. We see the death of of uh, George and Gwen Stacy. We see his various enemies and all of this other stuff. Um, by and large, this is just... If you're not familiar with the character, uh, here is everything you need to know going forward. Um, the The thing about that is, first of all, um, I am for Peter visiting Uncle Ben's grave. But there are issues that have done it a lot better. Sure. Uh, that That did stuff... That wasn't simply, hey, here's everything that's come before. Uh, the other thing is, like, I mean, if you if you are following along with us now, uh, not you know, if you're if you're a modern reader, you don't really need to read this issue, because uh, oh. I don't think the dude who finds the the microscope at the end is going to be appearing again. Um, like that's not, so, yeah, that is not a fucking plot point. I'm not even sure what it's there for in the story. 
other I than think, I think it's just a bit of synchronicity. We're yeah, we're passing along this love of science to a new kid. Yeah. Whatever. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh but that's like, really it. But it's yeah, it's like you were saying. If you are a modern comics book reader of any stripe, uh you you know all about this stuff. Uh, yeah, you can skip it. We've had we've had three movie Spider-Man franchises. We all already know most of this. Um, it's not nobody nobody's coming into this at this point in time needing this big a primer on Spider-Man, but that they're a kid. And why are you buying? a comic book from the seventies for your child. That one's for you. Keep it. Buy a different comic book from the seventies. <laughs> that too. Um, so hey, there's, yeah, there's a letter in here from Kansas city. Oh, is there? Yeah. That's exciting. 41st. Place. Anyway. Yep. Uh, so that brings us into our last arc of the week. Uh, which is Incredible Hulk, starting with issue number 223, which has a cover by Rich Buckler and Ernie Chan, written by Roger Stern, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Joe Rubenstein, colored by Glynis Ween, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, We get some weird stuff this week, because Hulk bounds through a romantic date, before suddenly reverting to Bruce Banner, um, who's just like, holy shit, I think I'm cured. Uh, And so he kisses the woman that was there, uh, which makes her boyfriend angry, and the dude slugs him, uh, at which point Banner's like, I'm mad. I'm mad and I'm not transforming into the Hulk. I really am cured. Um, so he goes and finds a pilot, uh, who has every reason to just be like, get the fuck away from me. Uh, but he's like, no, I'm cured. Can you please take me to Gamma Base? There's money in it for you. And the guy's like, yeah, okay. Um, meanwhile, at Gamma Base, uh, the random amnesiac stranger, Uh, that wandered in out of the desert has disappeared. Uh, So everybody's looking for him. Uh, The last place he could possibly be is the high security lab. So they go in, at which point everyone is promptly uh, mind whammied. Mind whammied. Um, And it turns out that it's the leader. Uh, so as this is all going on in, in New York, uh, Bruce's former landlady for a minute, uh, is paying to have the damages caused by the Hulk repaired. Um, but she can't, it turns out she can't afford it because Hulk damages are pricey. Jim is like, well, maybe I can help. How much is it? And the dude's like, 500 bucks. And Jim's like, I can't afford that. 
Uh, at which point the great Kropotkin comes in and he's just like, I have money and pays it. Um, and the landlady whose name is escapes me at the moment. Summers. Uh, April. April Summers, yeah. April Summers. Uh, she is like, great, that'll just about cover the rent uh, he owes and takes the rest of his money. Uh, and Kropotkin's just like, easy come, easy go. Hey, why don't you and I discuss a little offer to Jim? And Jim's like, uh, okay. Uh, I normally so, don't take up with weird magicians, but all right. I don't know. I get the feeling that all things being equal, Jim, Jim would just, uh, just about hook up with anybody because he has nothing else going on. Like, that's true. He hooked up with the Hulk, even though that's a dangerous place to be. Um, yeah. Not, it should not be your first choice. Your go-to should yeah. not be Hulk. Yeah. This, so this, to me, displays a fundamental lack of judgment in general. Sure. So, why not? Kropotkin? <sighs> sure. Who the fuck cares? Uh, your body's going to wind up in a ditch, but whatever. <laughs> that might have happened uh, anyway. Um, so Bruce Bruce and Spads, Spuds McKenzie uh, arrive at Gamma Base and everybody's being really weird. And so Bruce is to be taken to General Ross, but they're in the lab building instead of Ross's office. And Bruce is just like, that's weird. Everything about this is weird. And Spuds McKenzie is just like, yeah, I guess. I don't I mean, know. I, so and McKenzie's like, I've been on an airfield before. These are all weird. Like, even yeah. I know this is weird. And yeah. I'm Spuds um, McKenzie. And so the, uh, I don't know. His name's Spad McCracken. Oh, is but it? Like, yeah, it is McCracken. That's the dumbest I, name I've heard in a while. Yeah. Spad McCracken. That sounds like uh, if you've ever seen that that screenshot going around from the old Nintendo baseball game where the Japanese were just like, I don't know, make up, uh, uh, make up English sounding names. And it was just like Creve Mc, McNikehead. <laughs> Or something like that, and they're just like, "Yeah, sure." That's what. Um, that's what mid. That's a Midwestern name, certainly. Yeah. So, uh, but they are ushered in. At which point, they find Ross and Samson uh, chained up, and the leader is just like, "Ha! It's me." Um. So yeah. So, Incredible Hulk number 224 has a cover by Ernie Chan and is colored by Janice Cohen and lettered by John Costanza. Um, the, the leader explains how he's still alive, even though he was ostensibly killed the last time he appeared, and how it is he's able to move when previously he had been paralyzed. Um... But he was able to teleport to safety, and uh, he caused to he he reverted himself 
to his human state, uh, which did not necessarily contain the memories of what had happened to him, but still had the the leader's superego kind of compelling it. Uh, so that's how he was able to get into the laboratory and make himself the leader again, and in so doing, fixed the paralysis. Um, <clears throat> but uh, Doc Samson breaks free as the leader is expositing and uh, goes to attack the leader, but the leader's like, you can't. <coughs> and he's like, oh shit, you're right. And the leader's like, yeah, I, I implanted command saying you cannot uh, attack me, nor can you even leave this building. So suck it. Uh, it's at that point that Clay Quartermain returns to Gamma Base. And so the leader has him led into an office where um, he is then mentally paralyzed. Um, that is to say, leader mentally makes him unable to move. Um, so, Doc Samson, though he cannot <coughs> leave, is able to free uh, Ross and Banner. Um, and Samson's like, the only way we can defeat the leader is if you become the Hulk again. And Banner's like, what? Fuck you. And, um, they are... Even Ross is like, hey man, uh... <laughs> are you you sure about this? Not, not just um, the Hulk, but like, you know, Ross, this Ross, does like respect Banner and mm-hmm. he's like man that's that's a fucked up thing you're asking him to do there man uh, yeah per- Ross, per- Ross at this point does recognize how utterly yeah. destroyed Banner's life has been by the Hulk and so like even Ross is just like um huh. you sure about that one big shoots uh and, and Banner's like, no, fuck you. If we're doing this, we're doing it my way. And we're sort of shown him getting into like this apparatus. And Samson's like, are you positive you want to do it this way, though? I don't know that it's going to work out the way you think. And Banner's like, fuck you again. Quit telling me what yeah. to do. Um, yeah. Let her rip. And they click a button. And that's when... The Hulk ostensibly attacks uh, the leader in Quartermain. Yeah. They have a fight. This Hulk attacks some uh, so, some of the mindwash soldiers, but the uh, leader grabs a murder module, which is basically a tripod full of death, um, attacks the Hulk. Hulk is like, fuck this, and goes and jumps directly at it. Leader electrifies the skin of the murder module and um, blows this Hulk apart. It's revealing it to be a robot, and he just fucking... Leader just fucking loses it at this point. Uh, So he blasts the shit out of the robot. The feedback goes into Bruce, who's controlling the Hulk robot, and uh, knocks him dead, 
Like he's having, he's dying. Well, it, it fries him. And the last we get in the issue is Doc Samson saying Bruce Banner is dying. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. (laughs) So that brings us to incredible Hulk number 225 which has a cover by Ron Wilson and Joe Rubenstein and is lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Rick Parker and edited by Jim Shooter. Um, Len grabs Bruce's body and he's like, we've got to save him. Um, and uh, Ross is like, what are you doing? And Samson goes to set him up on a table and... Uh, Ross is like, no, you can't do this to him. And, uh, Samson is like, I am physically unable to leave this building. This is the only thing available to me that will save Bruce's life. He's like, I may be destroying his life, but at least he'll live. So they shoot Banner full of, uh, gamma rays. Um, while this is going on, the leader starts teleporting in his stupid ru- rubber people um, and everything. But Leonard nukes Bruce. And at first, um, it uh, it's kind of a roller coaster because it, Banner um, starts screaming um, and it's it's treated the way it says it is it's like you're not sure whether the screaming is from pain or uh memories of his first transformation into the hulk but then uh when it's all said and done it ends and bruce banner dies um samson and ross are just like shit Uh, that's not good. And Ross, Ross is saddened. He's like, you know, I, I never said it, but Banner was a better man than I ever gave him credit for. And, uh, but then as they're walking out of the room, big green hands rip the sheet off of Banner. And, uh, he's like, (laughs) the Hulk is just like, what the fuck happened? And, uh, so Leonard... Leonard, for his part, starts smack talking the Hulk. <laughs> um, and Russ is just like, oh, my God, what the fuck are you doing? And uh, but then we find out that his plan is to piss the Hulk off enough that he punches him out of the building. Uh, and then he is able to get around the leader's um, mental blocks so they come out of the building and are um and the hulk is just like me going to smash your face for the shit you said and samson's like whoa 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 it's okay i'm sorry i'm sorry and the hulk's like that not work the hulk did not accept a sorry um and, and i love that he immediately is like you think i'm stupid and Hulk's, he, Samson's like, look, no, I'm sorry. I, I just, it's, it wasn't me. It's the leader. The leader is here. Listen to me. The leader. And Hulk is like, the leader is dead. 
fuck you. You're and you're lying to me. You think I'm dumb and yeah. you're lying? Holy cr- Okay, good to know. Yeah. I'm just going to smash you. Yeah. And then but the leader then the shows leader up. The leader send comes out and starts sending waves of rubber dudes at them. Uh and the Hulk and Samson plow through them and then the Hulk winds up ripping up the tarmac uh, and rolling them up in it because, you know, tarmac is notoriously easy to roll, but whatever, mm-hmm. it's the Hulk. Um, and so uh, they confront the leader. Uh, Leonard is unable to do anything, uh, but... Uh, Hulk begins taking swings at the leader, but the leader is wearing a pair of uh, gauntlets which absorb and redirect the kinetic energy of the Hulk's blows. However, as is always the case, what the leader failed to take into account is the matter Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets, and eventually he is able to surpass the upper limit of what the gauntlets can handle. He rips them off the leader's hands, which surprisingly didn't take the hands with it. Yeah, uh, but I was it like, did fuck up nice his hands. You, yeah, that was nice of you, Hulk, to, to leave yeah. the leader his, his, his arms when you could have just went, bop, <laughs> and there go Like your a wishbone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say, it does seem that he severely fucked up the leader's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but... In the in the pro at this point the leader's like oh shit it's over and so he tries to um, to uh, have his computer teleport him away. However, the energy source for the gauntlets is overloading and that winds up interfering with the transportation beam. And it seems as though the leader is killed. Um, And the issue ends with the Hulk being like, now that that dealt with, me gonna smash your face. (laughs) Um, And I like that. That he's like, yeah, okay, cool. Where were we? Me punching you. That's where we were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that brings us to our last issue for the week. Um which is Incredible Hulk number 226, which has a cover by Ernie Chan and Irving Watanabe, inked by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Irving Watanabe, and edited by Bob Hall. Um, so Hulk starts smacking Samson around. Um, some soldiers arrive, and they're like, use a gas grenade! Uh, but the Hulk is just like, nope, and holds his breath. And he just, you know, shuts him down. Uh, General Ross arrives and tries to slap the encephalo helmet on his head, um, which in the past has allowed Banner to control the body of the Hulk. However, this time, no dice. And so the Hulk rips it off and he's like, fuck you, and just slaps Ross away. And then he's like, I've had enough of this. So he, uh, he bounds away. Uh, while that is going on, 
Jim and Kropotkin are on their little road trip, um, and they are headed toward Gamma Base when, um, while they are stopped for something to eat, they overhear a police scanner saying that the Hulk's been sighted in the area, and he's headed toward Navapo. Um, so they leave to try and intercept the Hulk. Um, you know, uh, the Doc Samson, who, with Ross out of commission, is currently the highest ranking personnel member at Gamma Base, starts arranging for a group of, or for a, um, a contingent to go after the Hulk. The Hulk, it turns out, is headed toward Desert State University, uh, Bruce's alma mater. Uh, which evacuates. However, the uh, the dean uh, refuses to leave because it's just Bruce. You know, he's like, I know Bruce. It's fine. Uh, and the Hulk arrives, and he's like, Hulk, know this place. Why Hulk know this place? Um, and realizes that it's where he fought Captain Marvel previously, but then he's also like, no, Hulk know this place from before that. And he starts, he starts flashing back on memories of Bruce Banner, uh, but he doesn't know what to make of why it is that, like, he's Hulk in these memories, but, like, Banner's there. And, uh, it's at this point that Dr. Weller, the dean, comes in and he's like, Bruce, Bruce, what are you what are you doing? And the guy's like, or Hulk's like, stop calling me Bruce. Um, but um, Jim arrives at that point and he's like, Hulk, it's me, Jim. Don't don't do it. And Hulk is like, you going to Hulk, order Hulk around some more? Um referring to when Jim uh, stopped Hulk from killing Stingray uh, the last time they were together. Um, but it's at this point that Weller's heart starts to give out. Um, and then Hulk, uh, Hulk sees a silhouette and he's just like, and in his head, uh, all he hears is a new challenger has arrived. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually just a statue of Socrates. Um, and so Hulk starts smashing it up, but then the inscription on it says, know thyself. And this causes Hulk to, um, to stop and like, start asking questions. Like how can Hulk, no Hulk self like and stuff like that um and this causes Hulk to revert back to Banner uh and Banner is just like I don't even know who I am anymore it's at this moment that Doc Samson Doc Samson shows up and um he said he's like hey I'm a psychiatrist. Maybe I can help you with that. Um, and that's <coughs> where we 
kind of leave things. Um, I really like... Overall... Sorry. Overall, uh, fine. The best part's the last two panels. Um, yeah. Or the last page, I guess, is Hulk having an existential crisis and that leading into Bruce having an existential crisis because really, he <coughs> Bruce has been through enough in the last since Hulk that he... Yeah, his life's been destroyed. He doesn't know who he is anymore. He's... Mm-hmm. And every time he tries to figure it out, something happens and it's the Hulk again. Um, yeah. And that destroys it some more. And yeah, there's 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 not a lot there anymore. And he... Him crying and Samson being like, look, buddy, we can work this out. Um, I can help you figure out who both of you are. That's a great moment. Uh, that's a yeah. good... It's a really strange thing to be reading from the 70s, right? Like, when mental health was still not a thing you talked about, right? Yeah. Or it was the beginnings of where, I mean, hell, even up into the 90s and, you know, like, depictions of mental health or depictions of people seeking mental health. Um, in like Sopranos, right? Like that's the whole juxt, I assume I haven't actually watched it, but that's the whole thrust of that show is that he's trying to become a better person while sing- while also uh, being a shitty person, being a shitty person and being shitty to his psychiatrist. Like, yeah, this, this is fairly progressive for him to be like, to a, depict him having a complete fucking meltdown and admit to himself that he's that there he's fucked like he is messed up and he doesn't know who he is anymore the hulk did the same thing and that samson shows up and he's like this being portrayed as like this is the right thing to do there's no shame in this you are you are hurting and need help and that's pretty good i think it i think it's it's pretty good. I like well, it. it. It is. And I think I think Bruce is an interesting character. And he's certainly he's certainly one that I identify with, not only because of my own anger issues, but also just because you know, it's like it is it would be very easy to to look at Bruce as it stands now and say well he had the hulk forced on him this time but the previous time he was cured of being the hulk he did it to himself again <clears throat> and not because uh not because he was saving somebody's life or anybody or anything else. He did it because he was jealous of Leonard Sampson making time with Betty. And so it would be very easy to look at that and say, well, it's your own goddamn fault. But when it comes to self-destructive behavior, um, the patterns you get stuck in uh, are exert a terrible power over you 
and it's even it's even the kind of thing that um that even as you're doing it even as even as your rational mind is watching you do something you still do it yeah even as you're even as you're sitting there going cuz like okay so a bit of a bit of personal stuff about me i am addicted to spending money i um there is there is a a psychological need for me for the feeling of happiness i get in buying something that is short-lived and that um is is a high that i chase um and it has caused problems like to the extent that um it very nearly caused massive problems in my marriage and uh because i was um i was running up huge amounts of debt on credit cards um that you know on my wife's credit card not even mine her credit card um and it was one of those things that as i was doing that i knew that i shouldn't be doing it i knew that it was going to be incredibly damaging when uh that behavior was discovered and i had no illusions i knew the behavior was going to be discovered but it didn't stop me yeah. and even after that even even now when i since then i have done my level best to um to rein that behavior in so that i don't wind up losing <laughs> the life i've built for myself um it's still there and I, and given half a chance i would absolutely do it again and i would watch myself doing it going jr what the <laughs> fuck are you doing but it would you know if yeah. i allow it it won't stop me from doing it you right. know and so it's one of those things that you know i i feel for bruce so hard because it is it's it's you your brain wants what it wants regardless of what you necessarily want yeah and i i definitely think that well you did it to yourself is super dismissive of yeah a problem and it's more of a okay you you know you have to admit that you did it to yourself yes that's true but that's your yeah. work not that's your work not somebody else's work Right. Uh, um right. and when you do that the question that the acceptable outside question becomes why did you do that to yourself? And if you're like 
okay, that's my work to do as well. I get to answer that question, but I think it's fair for the people outside your life to be like, or outside your, the people in your life to be like, why? As long right. as it's, as long the as it's people, a constructive the pe- question. The people it affects. The people in your life yeah. that it directly affects can absolutely ask that. Casey could ask that question of me. Yeah. Um, You know, but like, uh, if you were to do it, That's... it would depend on how you went about doing it. If you're right. doing it, if you're doing it in a judgmental way, it becomes, well, fuck you. You get fucked. Uh, yeah. But if, if it's you... a, if it's a, I'm only asking because I want to help. Like if it's a constructive way. Uh... Yeah. If you're asking me so, uh, so as to get me to think about why I'm doing the thing I'm doing. That's one thing, but yeah, well, yeah, like, and then, and in that way, like, I don't even need, I like, I don't deserve an answer. Right. Right. Even if all I'm doing is trying to help, you don't have to answer me. Um, right. You just have to be like, all I'm saying is, you know, put, put that question in your head and then I will leave. Um, that would be fair. Uh, yeah. But like Casey, Casey might get an answer eventually, you know? Um, well, Casey, de- Casey would de- deserve an answer certainly yeah. uh, in that situation, regardless. Um, yeah, because it's it's not just my life; it's our life. But yeah. she's really the only one I owe an answer to at this point in time. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, you know, in the in the Bruce sort of setting, like the only person I think he would owe an answer to is Betty. Because she invested so much fucking time in him, both before and after the Hulk, and you had an out, you motherfucker. And why did you do like? She might get an answer out of it, like deserve an answer from him. But I like that Samson I, doesn't demand it, that kind of thing. Right. I I will say I will say that a lot of the people. Um, if I were someone who were affected by one of the Hulk's rampages between the point at which he was cured previously and the point at which he was turned cured now, um, then I might feel I owe an, I'm owed an explanation because my life has been destroyed by that's true this guy's choice um now like i said like i said i i am it is it's it's one of those things that in in questions of destructive behavior you know you one has to ask oneself Am I directly affected by this? And if not, should I shut the fuck up? <laughs> and yeah, um, you know, and if I'm not going to, uh, why am I asking questions? And for, you know, is it constructive or yeah. is it just me saying, well, you shouldn't have fucking done that, should you? Um, yeah. 
So, you know, I, it's, and I think this is, I think this is something that, um, I wish we'd seen, I wish we'd seen more of this kind of approach to Bruce, um, because a lot of, you know, I think, like in the movies, it's usually treated as something he did to himself. Whereas, you know, in the comics, the first time around, it was he did a selfless thing and proceeded to pay for it indefinitely. Um, barring that one time. Um, you know, and I, and I think that that is a an interesting um an interesting thing to explore um in addition to his overall anger issues um so but of course like i said i've i've talked before about how anger itself is addictive as well it is sure. yeah um so i don't know it's, I don't know. I could talk about the Hulk all day in this regard, so I should probably shut the hell up and well, move on. Yeah, I mean, we've we've hit the note that I wanted to hit, which was basically like, I like the end of this issue, even though, like, I don't think it goes where I am hoping it goes because it's comics and it never does that. But like, I just like the, I like the admission of. I need help and there's a problem. Well, and, and, I, and like, this is going to wind up laying the groundwork for Peter David's run. Sure. Uh, which leads to a lot of interesting places, even if it doesn't happen for a little while yet. Right. Um, but I mean, we're, we're yeah. in the 78 finally. So that's, yeah, I mean, one it's step a... closer to where like the eighties is when we get to do, super interesting things with uh hulk and daredevil and yeah x-men duh i mean the 80s kind of suck for some heroes but like for others it's real good um yeah so i'm looking forward to that yeah um and even some of those i haven't soured on the way i have uh with what was done to batman in that period so yeah yeah. All right. Think you can top five. Uh, dredge up a top five? I think I can manage. All right. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. Top five. Top five. Ooh. All right. Woo. We're all excited. From me, number five. No, not that boon. You can have a boon. Can we go see Thor? No. Oh. Uh, I don't know why that was so funny to me. That they were just like, you can have any boon. <coughs> no, not that boon. Okay. Uh, number four. And this is just one of those things that occasionally I need to say. The design of the thing is really fucking cool. Like, I know we all know that, and but like, just how 
Kirby fucking nailed it. And then other artists come along and take the same design and do just really, you know, there's, it's so, uh, uh, loyal to like the original intent of the care of the character design and then just tweak it so that he's like, he's so expressive, even though he's a giant orange rock monster. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's great. Um, and I just, I don't know. That's one thing that always drove me crazy about the period of time where Thing wore a helmet, uh, because he was he was clawed by Wolverine, and so he started wearing a helmet. And it's like I get wanting there to be more to Thing's costume than just a pair of trunks or a pair of pants, but also like the Thing's face is so great. Don't cover it the fuck up. Don't hide. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, so yeah. that's number four. Number three is uh, Hulk remembering to kick the shit out of Samson. I just, that that moment at the end of that book where he's like, okay, good. Leader gone. Awesome. Uh, hey. Wham! It's just, yeah. it's just great. Um, and then number two uh Ross's protestations of are you sure this is a good idea like the man's I understand the man's dying but uh this is I'm pretty sure he would not want this and yeah. Samson going ahead with it anyway uh I just like them Ross is good Ross I cannot believe I ever thought I just I'm very disappointed in all of the representations of Ross I have been given up until we started doing this, where I get introduced to, like, this really deep, nuanced character who cares about Bruce's welfare, but, like, is driven by his need to do the Hulk, the, the job he's been given, which is subdue the Hulk and keep that, keep that from continuing to attack, like, Ross is Ross is good, and he's get he keep he was done dirty until we started reading this. In to me, well, old old school Ross recognizes that it is while well Ross Ross has always been pigheaded, yeah. and uh, things like that. But old school Ross was capable of rec- recognizing the nuance of the situation. And recognizing the fact that it is possible to hate the Hulk while not necessarily bearing Bruce Banner any ill will. Banner Banner is collateral damage. Yeah. Ross doesn't hate Banner. He, I think it's, and may, you know, sometimes, like you say, he is stubborn. And sometimes he needs betty to kick him in the ass and be like what are you doing or something like that but like right it's it's not impossible to get to him is i guess what i'm saying and how right i much i how much more i enjoy that characterization than i do uh yeah i'm out to kill the uh, you know the ross that hates both men like it's the not... monomaniacal caricature yeah. we've been given most of the time yeah um this is better uh and then number one is obviously the uh, the samson offering to help banner at the end um that 
we clearly I liked that. We talked. We spent ten minutes on it. So yeah. Uh, uh go. Uh, my number five is uh, don't go in there. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, because I kind of I in thinking about that. I think if uh, if we were to see that depicted now. Uh, Blastars going into the portal would be like Star-Lord in Infinity War where he just jumps backward into it while flipping him off with both fingers. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I enjoy that. Uh, number four is Big Hulk on campus. Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't bring it up while we were talking about it because I forgot to. Uh, in in Hulk's rememberings of Bruce's time at Desert State University, we are treated to an image of Hulk in place of Bruce Banner, wearing khakis and a DSU sweater with a with a uh, collared shirt underneath it, and I I love it. It's uh it's uh it always puts me in mind of the. Um, that and uh, the Hulk, as we see him in Endgame, always put me in mind of an old toy, twisted toy fair theater, where it was uh, they were doing, they were doing Hulk as uh, dressed like Joe Fixit, but still the Hulk persona, and he's just like raw, every girl crazy about sharp dressed Hulk. Uh, and that's what I always think of in situations like that. Um, number three is beware of tentacle monsters bearing gifts. Yeah. Uh, number two is, uh, aw, Namor has a friend, but only the one. Uh, and then number one is Bruce having a, having a crisis. Um, because I am, I am on board. For that so i mean just like we were talking a couple of shows ago more than a couple shows ago was the last time we read daredevil to amount to anything i think we've read one or two in between but where it's like i know what this can be we're so close to i know what this can be and this kind of thing is peter david's run and it's like it's fucking awesome. So like, let's, Oh, I'm so, we're so close. It's just like we were talking with, with X-Men when it was like, here, you get to read giant size. Now fuck off for three months. And I'm like, oh. yeah, or it was more like six. Yeah. Fuck off for six months. Okay. Here's four issues of X-Men. Yay. Yay. Now fuck off for 10 months. Oh, but it's going to get so good. Just let me read the good books. Have to read yeah. shitty Captain America. Oh. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, <laughs> shitty it's... Captain America is better than bad Daredevil. Um, yep. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to know that all this. You know, I know eventually. You know, sometime before the sun explodes, we're gonna get into the '90s, and it's gonna be kind of uh, again. But, like, knowing that some of these really good arcs in uh, 
some of these other books that are coming is are, are tantalizingly close. That yeah. is, it's frustrating. The right word, I don't know. Keeps me going. That's for sure. Well, it it keeps you going, but it it, it is. It's you're you're sitting there the whole time, just going, "This is gonna get so good," but it's not right now. And you know. Hulk right now isn't bad. No. It's just, it's pretty middle of the road. Um, It's been very like, thank God Thor and Avengers have been good. You know? Yeah. Because everything else, Hulk is not bad. It's just, it's sort of wandering around in circles, not really sure what it's doing right now. Uh which is one of the other reasons why I like the the end of what we read this week is because it's like okay that feels like a direction mm-hmm. go go there um, yeah Hulk Hulk has been kind of monster of the week for a while yeah um, and so we we it's like all of all of the plot happens to everybody else uh, right now. And it it really sucks when, you know, we, we're just not seeing a lot of Bruce uh, in general right yeah. now. Um, and so when the when the star of the book spends all his time being the unchanging uh, monster, which... That's not to say Hulk can't be interesting, but he's not right now. Um, yeah. It's Bruce that's interesting, and we barely see him most of the time. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so that's it for us this week. Next week, we've got a pretty manly week in that it is some Iron Man, some Spider-Man, some Machine Man. Like, you know. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> And the one exception to that is an issue of Marvel Premiere featuring Jack of Hearts. So, man, 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 Jack. Uh, <laughs> just a uh, whole bunch of big swinging dicks. Um, I love that we've just completely skipped Jack of Hearts' origin. And it's like, yeah, but you do need to actually pay attention to him. Okay. Where well, did he come I mean, from? You, no, 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 no. you do but also like i mean if we were doing the complete marvel read through as opposed to just the bulkier marvel read through that we're doing currently if we were to do the full thing like we would be i don't know if we'd even be out of the 60s yet no because there's all that all the monster stuff and the horror and Tomb of Dracula and like just and the kung fu stuff, stuff that we're yeah, we'd yeah. be mired in in the seventies and, and the Namor that we would yeah. be reading yeah we wouldn't be we wouldn't be anywhere near there's just a lot I mean this is better. As it stands, I will probably be doing this read through until I die. <laughs> um, but like, uh, 
Uh, if we were to do the full read through, it would be that would be my legacy. It would just be like, you must take up my mental and read these fucking comics. Um, but yeah, so uh, join us for that. In the meantime, uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, follow us uh, both individually and collectively at, at Watchers Guide MU on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, email us at watchersguide.gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com. That is it for us. Have a marvelous week. Bye.